This episode of That's What She Said is brought to you by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said for your free audiobook download. This episode is also brought to you by Netflix. Head to netflix.com slash TWSS for a completely risk-free 14-day trial. Your office is full of genitalia. Oh, SOS, loke DJL. That's what he says. Damn it. That's what she said, episode 94, Body Language. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind just like all the time, pedal down, nowhere to go. And welcome to episode 94 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your human resources coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 23rd episode of season 6, entitled Body Language, which originally aired Thursday April 29th, 2010. Hola, amigos y amigas. Bienvenidos al programa de twist. When Donna stops by for a sales presentation, Michael can't quite seem to get a read on her feelings for him. Despite discouragement from everyone in the office, sans Pam, Michael, like Rudy, refuses to give up. People don't just take off barrettes, you know. Meanwhile, Saber's looking for a few good minorities, and Dwight is bent on getting his own puppet into power. Too bad for him that Kelly seems to have plans of her own and, like the proverbial elephant, never forgets. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage because I bring my own water to work. Why did you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? All right, and joining me at the water cooler this week is the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who joined the podcast for my money, Kevin Crossman. Kevin, how you doing? Hey, man, it's great to be with you and everyone tonight. And, you know, it's been almost three years since I joined the podcast, but I still don't have a sense of whether you consider me the competent, hardworking one or the malleable simpleton. <laughs> uh, no comment. Um <laughs> No, you're you're, you're the Hide, Kevin, of the podcast. Oh, jeez. I know that you must have been very welcomed for the return of your favorite new character on the show. Actually, we'll talk about that, but that's a great example of why I really did love this episode. I I, I didn't love that character, but I loved how they reincorporated him here in this episode. So, yeah, that was actually really cool. Well, uh, speaking of... The episode, and it's kind of weird because, you know, obviously here we are, we're about two and a half weeks behind the regular airing schedule, and it's kind of frustrating because we've already seen two more episodes after this, so a lot mm-hmm. of this stuff is sort of developed and uh, and kind of gone forward, and so some of our observations are a little bit tinged with perhaps future knowledge, <laughs> as it were. We're going to try to stay as much in the moment here as we can. So body language... 
uh, I actually think I like this episode, and I, I just said I'm not going to talk about this, but I actually think I like this episode more now that I have seen uh, future episodes. It's kind of filled in the plot line a little bit. Um, at first, I think that the Michael plot line was a little thin, the way that it played out here with this whole back and forth, will they, won't they, does she like me, does she not like me. Um, I mean, it, it, it was interesting at the time, I think, that it was on. But sort of knowing what we know now after the uh, the cover-up and, and the chump, I think, uh, it, it brings a little more richness, perhaps, to this start of the plot line for me. You know, I, I enjoyed that. I'm always a Michael fan, so I kind of enjoy him getting uh, getting one over on the rest of the office there. Uh, I like the ending where, you know, no one will believe him. <laughs> and uh, and that's really annoying to him, of course, that they don't believe him, that he got some action here uh-huh. with Donna. Now, let's, uh, well, I guess let's let's start with this. What, what was your take on that plot line? Well, I've always been a big fan of these Michael Falling in Love episodes. The Client going back to season two is one of my favorites of all time. So this is very much in that same vein. Michael struggling against the odds and acting fairly competently in as it relates to that. <laughs> Not completely, obviously. It's Michael after all. And I like the, the dynamic of him going back and forth to his advisors and Pam's role in this episode was, in general, well done. There were some strange things here. We'll talk about those. But in general, Pam trying to do the right thing, which is what I like. Unlike what maybe some people perceive, I've always been on the Jim and Pam bandwagon of love. So I just I thought that was great, and I, I, this new character very you know intriguing to me, very attractive. So I I was I was in love for this episode. Oh good lord! Well I will, I'll I'll say that while I sort of agree with what you're saying, uh, I I feel like that we really haven't known this character long enough. Uh, she hasn't been in the show long enough, I think, for it really to have any kind of deep emotional impact. Uh, she, you know, I still don't really know what I think of her. I, I still think that it was really kind of forced in here. If if she would have been introduced a little earlier in the season and just sort of slowly built up week by week, I think it would have been uh, more interesting, but be that as it may. Well, but... Matt, what part of boob shirt do you not understand? <laughs> yeah, the boob shirt wasn't too bad, and uh, and the cutout shoulders. <laughs> as well she's uh she's a little bit of a looser gal than we've seen michael with previously that's for sure Uh, all of his other women have been a little more straight laced um Uh holly goofier but not sort of he's never had sort of this sexy kind of uh, girlfriend before so you're right that is a little bit of a difference and it it, it was kind of interesting. I, I almost wish that it would have been... <laughs> I almost wish that it really would have been that she was sort of playing him uh, all along. Because that was part of it that was kind of amusing, is how blatantly that she was manipulating them. What I think was kind of weird about this is that you almost think it would have been sort of interesting if maybe she would have come in and just sort of charmed the men. You know, all the men were sort of bending over backwards and then perhaps... Uh, Oscar, you know, Pam, or the other women might have been sort of against her or or seeing, you know, seeing through her her cheap ploys. But, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. it was kind of an interesting twist and to have, again, Pam sort of be the one standing up and uh, bucking (laughs) tradition. And I got to say, speaking of Jim and Pam, we were pretty hard on them last week for their kind of dickitude with making fun (laughs) of Kevin. And 
One of my kind of pet peeves with them this season is that ever since they've gotten together as a couple, they have literally been the same character. I mean, they're no longer, most of the time, they're no longer individuals. They're jam. Mm -hmm. You know, they're always doing their talking heads together. They're always together. They're always in the same plot lines with each other. Uh, So it was kind of refreshing, I guess, here to see uh, them sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, However, (laughs) I don't know what I think. I I think I'm sort of with Jim uh, with his reaction to Pam, though, with the I don't think I know you anymore. (laughs) That was a little obnoxious. Uh, a little obnoxious, yeah. I didn't. I don't know what Pam would was uh, drinking in her coffee that morning, but yeah, it needs to be taken out immediately. Uh, if you think back to the you know the character originally as she was portrayed, man, she definitely has changed a lot. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine season one or two Pam uh, busting out these kind of cheesy vaudevillian sort of lines. Well, everyone can change over time. That's yeah. nothing wrong with that. It just seems very weird. Right, that's true. I'm saying I I agree. It's uh, it's hard. It's just you know sort of a, a look how far this person has come sort of thing. And yeah, maybe she went a little too far. Maybe maybe back it up a little. Kind of it just I guess let's talk about that because the point of that plot line is that this woman supposedly is coming here to buy some printers, and mm-hmm. I mean you can imagine I how many how how much money can this possibly be worth. To anyone, it, it sounded like she was buying two printers, and that's—I mean, how much do those things cost? I mean, yeah, exactly. Talk about, what are the sales commissions? A couple hundred bucks printers? at most, and Jim and Pam maybe make fifty dollars off the sale. I don't the know. Gi- the gigantic sales presentation and <laughs> PowerPoint and everything else. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It seem a little strange. Oh, you know what but, the guy from Schwab said? Every sale is a big sale. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, it seemed very penny ante and. It's a little weird, too, that you'd think that Michael would, for sure, why would he not run the sale? I guess maybe you can say, well, since Saber came in, uh, he can't sell or he's not allowed to sell anymore. But um, you mentioned the client, Kevin, and that's obviously the main kind of comparison here a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that is definitely, you know, when you need to make the big sale, you pull out the big guns, right? Michael the best salesman he's going in. But it wasn't a big sale, that's the point. But still, but it was the girl that he liked, so Mm -hmm. he, (laughs) you know, he was all over that as well. He had his own presentation and his his little (laughs) subliminal advertising. That was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, sex. (laughs) And she doesn't, you know, she kind of looks at it for a second. Um, And just, yeah, the whole way that that was done and him... uh, in his gr- black trench coat in the snowy field, like looking stoically off into the, the distance. I've never taken anyone there. Well, who took the picture? <laughs> well, Ryan, but. <laughs> you know, good old Ryan and his photography sideline business. Good stuff, I guess. I, I, I did enjoy that episode. Let's, let's get into the other one, though, and talk about that briefly because I'm a little less impressed with the way that played out. I, I liked. Actually liked a lot of a lot of it. I just didn't really like the ending of it. And I guess you and I have different uh, takes on it. I didn't like it because I didn't like the whole Kelly is a mastermind. I'm now gonna get you. I'm all motivated to be this trainee because we've really never seen her have any sort of ambition. Uh, that sort of 
in a, in a certain way to me at least kind of turned the character to all of a sudden like oh now look out and and we had this weird vibe throughout the whole episode that everyone's afraid of her which I don't get uh, in six seasons I've never seen a reason why Oscar or Stanley would be afraid of Kelly uh, but there it is. I mean, that to me, I did not like that part of the episode. But um, I got to say, Kevin, I know we talked about this, and we're going to talk about this more as far as uh, what what happens if Steve Carell leaves the office. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say that I, I vote for just keeping Gabe in there as the boss. I think that he is just, I think that actor and that character are doing a really good job of being this super weaselly, uh, trying to be politically correct sort of, squirmy sort of boss. I don't know. I really enjoyed him in this episode. Well, I did really like this Kelly plotline, especially the whole Rainbow Coalition thing. It's a it's a thing that's ripe for parody, so it's great, perfect time, new company, big programs and everything else. You got a little bit of play there for Daryl, which I thought was done well, given his rise to fame or whatever. And, of course, Dwight is always trying to be the, the guy, the power behind the throne, and it was nice to see him trying to do this very weaselly power play, and it wasn't the typical get Michael or get Jim that we've <laughs> seen a million times. So in that respect, it was kind of a nice little twist. And I did like the Gabe stuff here, and his little talking head about it's mostly black, and he, he napped an Indian or whatever. I mean, <laughs> exactly. you're right, that, 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 that might not be terrible. And so, you know, like I said, I've always been... More on the, it's not, you know, Armageddon if Steve Carell leaves. So there's another option there for you. Now, in terms of the ending, I think the issue with Kelly is that she's always that very uh, petty person. You see her be very petty and mean to Aaron, especially. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the context around her, especially in cahoots with Ryan, that people could see that she could be mean about various things. And if she's in customer service or whatever, maybe. She can make up calls and get these sales guys in trouble. Well, we I don't saw know, that before. I don't know. Yeah, so I, you know, I think that that's part of what's going in there. And and plus, people like Stanley and Oscar, they just don't want to make waves. So it's like, all right, fine. She wants to do that. It's, it's kind of a joke program anyway. Both of these guys have been around the block enough to see that it's kind of stupid or whatever. <laughs> so you know, yeah, what they're not Stanley really say, What does Stanley say? Yeah. And they're like, I'll slap you with my rainbow or something. Like yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they've been around the block. They know it's not really that important anyway. So if Kelly's all motivated, they want to just not get involved. Um, so just just seeing the whole Dwight go around was, was really fun. And then I, I actually really did like the twist there because you think, oh, you know, Dwight congratulates her and she hugs him and she thought, oh, you know, all's forgiven. And then like, oh, sucker punch in the gut there with... Uh, the last comment, well, so. I just I just didn't like it because to me she's just not that Machiavellian of a character. Uh, it just it seemed to be a different direction, uh, a little more on the ball, aware direction than we've ever seen from her before. But she's not. It's Ryan pulling the strings. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see. I guess. I I like the other stuff. I mean, I, I liked a lot of the stuff in there. I I wish that the I wish that Daryl would have taken it a little further, though. Because uh, it seemed like he really just did it to screw with Dwight and oh, yeah. stick it to Dwight, but then he just kind of bailed out really early, and there was no competition. There was really no no challenge whatsoever to Kelly stepping in. I I love I don't have it in the clip, so I'm going to talk about it now. But I love that line that Daryl says about how you know 
Oh, he withdrew his application because it conflicted with his softball schedule. I can do that any time. I only got one more year left on my knees <laughs> forever. Makes so, sense. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was funny. I guess he wouldn't... He's all into it to kind of annoy Dwight, but he, he's sort of too lazy to take it very far. <laughs> right, right. So, fair enough. And then you enjoyed that. Dwight goes to the other minorities, they don't bite, and then he brings in his secret weapon <laughs> at the 11th hour to save America dramatically, or whatever it was he said. <laughs> Pulls in old Hide. <laughs> and he goes into the same yeah. story once again. <laughs> Steady hand. <laughs> yeah, and apparently Gabe was none too impressed by his tale of Yakuza fighting. Uh, well, in the end, I mean, like I said, this, this sort of sets things up. Um, you know, I don't want to speculate too much about this. We only have a few... In our world here, while we're recording this, we really only have one episode left. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe we should just briefly kind of talk about this because, you know, to be a little bit more timely since we are so behind. But, I mean, it seems like we've kind of figured out some of what's going on as far as where this plot's going to play out for the season finale. I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, what do you think is going to be? Are we going to have a big cliffhanger this uh, this season? It doesn't look like it. We're... we're down to having only a half an hour episode. And and that episode's obviously going to be very focused on this exploding printer problem, mm-hmm. which is explored in last week's episode. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know where the personnel, or the Dwight and Angela plotline also could be going to some sort of cliffhanger. I'm pregnant, right? Uh, well, I guess, shocking, yeah. I given, mean, where, I given, given what's been transpiring. So I'm not sure where the Kelly thing goes, and Donna seems to be on the way out, so... Yeah, who knows? I mean, we could always pull Holly back for the usual end-of-the-season tease. I'm telling you, I have a very bad feeling that they're going to pull some stupid Scranton Strangler thing, because yet again in this episode, Kevin, another reference yep. to the Scranton yep. Strangler with Dwight and his cell phone on his hip. <laughs> let me let me ask you the question all our That's What She Said listeners are wondering. Where do you keep your cell phone? Uh, well... <laughs> I, I, I have an iPhone right now, and so I usually I just keep it in my backpack, actually. Um, I, I do keep it in my pocket, but if I'm listening to podcasts or something, I will wear a belt clip sort of thing. So I can <laughs> don't have the, uh, you know, the headphones getting all tangled up in your pockets. Nerd alert. Yeah, yeah. We can't all, right. all be as cool as you, I guess. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the credits here then uh episode written by justin spitzer a guy who has a very up and down track record as far as i'm concerned uh written seven episodes body language previous to this shareholder meeting one of the Mm. lowlights of season six um michael scott paper company though loved rocking christmas Mm. Hated? <laughs> Did I stutter? Like that one? Yay. So this guy, I don't know. He is up and down like a roller coaster. I don't know what's going on. His, his next one should be bad, according to this pattern. <laughs> yeah, so. we follow the trend. It's like the Star Trek films or something. The even ones are always bad. <laughs> right. um, and directed by Kevin yet again. Yeah, you know, Matt, you've been hypothesizing. I've been what? About, oh, it's a Michael Scottism. <laughs> you've been uh, postulating that... All the Mindy Kelling written episodes really focus on the Kelly character, and sure enough, here's a Kelly episode, and who is it directed by? 
Mindy Kaling. So yes. I guess maybe your theory is having a little bit more believability these days. Yeah, I really that really struck me. And as you said, this was a first-time directorial effort by Mindy Kaling, who seems to always be on the verge of getting these deals and breaking out and doing these other things that we keep hearing about. Uh, so I'm sure that this was an opportunity for her to sort of get more experience behind the camera. However, as you said, yeah, it's just it kind of blows my mind how every episode she writes, every episode now that she directs, who is the main character? <laughs> Who has the big fat part? Why? It's none other than Mindy Kaling. As, uh, yeah, at least, Kaling Car- at least Steve, Steve Carell last time, he had a, a, the good fortune of making himself sort of a a neutral character in his directorial episodes. So, <laughs> yeah. But I have to say, I really did like this episode, so credit where it is due. All right, let's go ahead and get into the plot line then. Really not any way to break this down other than the standard way here. There's a Michael plot line which is the main A plot line, and then the Dwight and Kelly plot line, which is the solid B plot line. Glad that they're not really splintering it too much. And we talked about that before, kind of how the show can lose focus if they have too many little subplots going on. I I think this was a fairly decent balance. Got everybody a few uh, lines in there, of course. Creed Uh actually said something. (laughs) For the first time. Uh, man, you remember when we used to complain about how they were giving Creed too much stuff? Yeah, that's not been happening this season. Yeah, they're really on the opposite end of the spectrum right now. That pendulum's swinging really pretty far back over. Um, I'd like to see a few more every episode, at least one or two good lines every episode. This one, eh, I wasn't too big of a fan of his pus <laughs> oozing or whatever it was line in there. Uh, let's get into the Michael plotline, though, and talk about this. So what's going on? Of course, we've got this big build-up. Michael meeting Donna at the old Sid and Dexter's, and she's coming in for a little action. Hi, uh, Donna Newton, here to see Michael Scott. Did somebody order a hooker over here? Stop that. Hi. How are you? There's this woman I met a few weeks ago. Her name is Donna. She's a manager of the Sid and Dexter's. And right now, we're in the midst of a passionate love affair. Um, no, but she is coming by today, maybe to buy some printers, so. This is our first joint sales pitch, so I think we're going to work really well together. Yeah, I think we have complementary strengths. We have good give and take. I give, he takes. I don't even know who you are anymore. Yay. Right here, we have the Wonder Twins, Jim and Pam Halpert. They will be assisting you today. You look exactly alike. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we're actually married. We're not brother and sister. I have a sense about these things. All right. You have some ancestors in common somewhere back. I know it. You should see their baby. <laughs> so that was a pretty good Angela Zinger in there at the end. We talked about her getting beat up on a little bit, so getting some back. Good line. Uh, that's the one thing about the Donna character, I guess, is that we talked before about how Holly is so perfect for Michael because she has his same goofy sense of humor. Uh, Donna also has kind of his same sense of humor, but not yep. his really goofy sense of humor, his sort of semi-perv uh, yes. <laughs> sense of humor. She's into that. She laughs when he says, hey, who ordered a hooker? Uh, so she's a little bit different. Still, still into it, uh, causing Michael some confusion, of course, than if she likes him. Uh, or not. I like that introduction, too. That whole This is so bizarre. Though. Oh, yeah, you guys look exactly alike. Well, I think that this is one of those things where when you have two people in the office with the same name working together, the assumption might be that they're brother and sister, so you, you kind of have to address it every now and again. 
in, in this sort of funny way, and it tells you a little bit, little bit about the character of Donna to have her say what she did. So that's okay for me. I, and you know, I really like the Michael kind of confessional there. We're having a passionate love affair. It really set up <laughs> the yeah. whole plot line because you know we've seen it a million times. Michael's delusional. He's not really able to pick up the signals properly, so he must be completely wrong about the signals that Donna is throwing out. So that, that was a nice setup where if, even if you hadn't seen the history of the character over these years, you might have gotten kind of a sense of what's going on here. Yeah, and it's set it up to, of course, to have us just assume that Michael was making it all up. And and, and then when at the end they pulled it out and said, oh yeah, no, he, he she really did like him, it was... Kind of a, a surprise, perhaps, or a little bit of a shocker. Let's go back and talk more about Jim and Pam. We already kind of touched on this a little bit, that it was kind of goofy that they would be in here doing this. I also find it kind of weird, because... And, and this is just one of those zen things, again, that we've always talked about here, that we kind of have to just not talk about that much. Since season three, I mean, Jim has been, like, the man, right? Isn't he, like, second best sales? Or always kind of him and Dwight were always fighting for sales? who is the best, and you'd think that Jim would have way better things to do with his time than to be doing this. I mean, this seems like, why not just have Pam do it as her solo sale? Uh, She's the one that is terrible at sales, you know? She, it would make sense for her to be in there, and then you could differentiate them and kind of separate them a little bit from each other. Uh, I guess that wouldn't have left Jim with much to do, uh, but he could have still been sort of telling her, no, 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 don't, you know. She could have come to him and sort of said, yeah, I think Michael likes this and uh, likes this woman. He could have sort of been poo-pooing it. Um, I, I don't know. It would have made a little bit more sense, I think, as far as how this is structured. But, again. No, no, no. Let me tell you why. It, it, you needed to have two two witnesses to the whole dynamic between Michael and Donna. And you needed to have those witnesses to be on kind of opposite sides. And so, in this case, you know, it's... Pam is natural to be the, you know, love, pro-love thing here, and you need somebody else, and why not have it be uh, Jim here? And like you were saying earlier, it'd be nice to get them to be on opposite sides once in a while, so here you go. I, I suppose. Uh, still, it could have been structured where Michael was really thinking that she liked him and Pam was really against it. Um, it could have just been the two of them kind of arguing back and forth. But let's uh, not belabor the point. It is what it is, and what it is here then, as we said, sets off this total battle of confusion in Michael's mind. Uh, What is going on? And as you mentioned, like in Women's Appreciation, he's got his crowd there to ask what he should do. You didn't see it, Pam. She was giving me all sorts of signals that she wanted me to make a move. Well, maybe you shouldn't try to kiss people at work. Oh, really, Jim? What about Pam? And you did a heck of a lot more than kiss. Maybe this could be my Pam. Okay, well, all that is irrelevant. Maybe because... Michael has a point. I mean, if she was really that upset, she wouldn't still be here. Was it professional? No. But I work in the nightlife industry. I get hit on all the time. In my 20s, it would have been annoying. In my late 20s, I find it really flattering. Look, I know that I screwed up in there. I know that I probably messed up your sale. I just want to go in and fix it. What if I back out and you finish the pitch with Jim? What? What was that? Just let him flirt with her. People meet each other all sorts of ways. Pam, you know he's not going to get anywhere, and he's going to blow our sail. Who cares? It's not that huge a sail. Good luck, wingman. So I guess there's the line right there, who cares, uh, sort of echoing what we <laughs> have been saying about the sail. Uh-huh. 
Yep. I, th- I love the, you know, my late 20s. That was a funny line. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, she still looks pretty good for obviously yep. being in her late, 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 late 20s. Uh, right. Uh, but, yeah. I think it's kind of funny how they get these guest characters like this to just snap into place here for these talking heads. It would be interesting to see an episode of them, like how the documentary crew actually works to explain, oh, we're a documentary crew, can you sign this? Do you want to be in a talking head? I mean, that part would be really interesting to me. I know it really might not make it for an interesting or funny show, but for me, I'd like to know how that works. No, I think, you know, we've talked about that many times, that that would be interesting to see more of that. I. I just I think they'll chicken out because the average Joe viewer won't mm-hmm. get it. And it's it's kind of funny to me how so many shows now have appropriated the talking head format. Yeah, maybe what they'll do is they'll follow the model from Lost and three episodes from the finale they'll focus on some characters we've never met before. <laughs> That's three straight episodes with a Lost reference, thank you. Uh all right. Well, <laughs> some people are laughing. Uh, uh, yeah, I, one of these days I'm going to watch that show for the first time, I'm telling you. So, you know, there's the thing. It, it, it sets up with the argument there, does she like me, does she not like me, is she into me, is she not into me? Well, Michael and Jim are in there doing the presentation, and we kind of already talked about that with the funny stuff that Michael tries to do. He has this little scam where he shows a picture of a hot guy and then shows a picture mm-hmm. of himself and the picture of the hot guy, you know, is all I wanted to do is just be turned on. Um, and the like you said, the little, you know, sex <laughs> flashes up on the screen. Uh, <laughs> and I like some of his choices. He's got, like, the Tom Selleck <laughs> photo in there. It's very age-appropriate uh, for his... <laughs> for uh for donna but you know it doesn't seem to really work too well you can't figure out what's going on she busts out her big guns no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) to try to make the sale though and uh get a little bit more of a discount is this the best you can do right uh for that burner yes I guess I'm just used to the restaurant business where if you're in charge, then you can always get discounts for the people that yeah. you like. So maybe we could find a little wiggle room, right? I don't, I don't think so. I think we could. I don't see how we can possibly sell these for that little without losing money. Delivery alone will okay. cost... Well, sometimes, well, sometimes it makes financial sense to lose money, right? Like for tax purposes? Actually, ran the numbers on this, and in this case, it makes more financial sense to gain money. Why don't you run them again? What if she's just flirting with you to get a better price? If she is, it's working. She does not like him. You can flirt with someone to get what you want and also be attracted to them. How do you think we got together? Because I stopped by your desk like 15 times a day. I was after your money. Well, the joke was on you. Yes, it was. (laughs) So wacky banter from the two of them. I actually, I have to say that I think that Oscar line in there is maybe one of my favorite lines ever uh, <laughs> on the show. He delivered it. He delivered it very well. Looking at the camera like that, it was very good. Exactly, and it's just—I mean—it's very deadpan, but it was hilarious, and it wasn't belabored. It's Michael has this stupid thing like, "No, I've run the numbers, and this would really benefit us to make money on this." Right. And it's just very, very well delivered. So, yeah, it was great. I, the only thing, I guess, again, we could kind of sit there and say, well, I mean, how many printers could it possibly be? You know, give it to her at cost or something if Michael really wanted to impress her. You know, what would be the the big well, deal? Well, I think that that's what they were doing was giving her for practically a cost, and then she wanted a bigger discount. 
No, so. I suppose Jim just trying to get that big commission off those yeah. two printers. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like the talking head there, the Jim and Pam talking head. This was the only really good talking head moment between them in this episode, so uh, that was a good one. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a funny little line back and forth. I I really wish that they would kind of separate them though as two two different distinct uh, entities again because mm-hmm. I uh, it's just it, it's getting a little monotonous with them always being. Literally, they're Jam now. They're not Jim and Pam. They're one, one being like a blob merging together. Uh, and speaking again of of, of blobs, <laughs> <laughs> I like this as Michael is commiserate. You know, again, he's trying to commiserate with the other guys uh, in the office, and he's sort of convinced something's going on. She really likes him. He tries to kiss her. Uh, you know, it doesn't really work, but he just. He wants to know if he should go for one more try, and uh, Kevin has some uh, great advice here for him. I can't stop myself from kissing her. Yeah, now you know how I feel sitting next to those M&Ms all day. Well, why don't you just move the M&M? Why don't you shut up? Okay, guys, guys, just tell me it's not totally insane (laughs) to try one more time. It is totally insane. Michael, he's right. You are turning into a stalker. Okay, some for, some against. Nobody's for. Pam. Hmm? What do you think? I think it's really, really unlikely. But I can't say that it's impossible. What? I'm not saying she's in love with him, but she could have left a while ago. Most printer sales are done over the phone, Ms. Boob Shirt. I'm going with Pam's group. Wait. Here we Michael, go. what sort of movie would Rudy have been if he had just stopped giving up after two rejections? Would have been a lot shorter, probably been a lot funnier, but it would have ultimately been a disappointment. I still would have seen it, but that's not the point. I don't know. Again, for some reason, I love that last talking head. It was a classic Michael uh, little thing in there. Movie reference, uh, kind uh-huh. of missing the point. Just very, very good stuff. No stupid malapropisms, using words yes. wrong and that kind of stuff. So very, very funny stuff in there. Um, and again, Kevin... <laughs> Now you know how I feel sitting next to those M&Ms all day. Uh, temptation, he, man. He, he had a good idea with the mint trick earlier in the episode where, you know, give her a mint or if she doesn't want the mint and all that. And, but <laughs> and there's that scene where Michael, Michael blows it by licking it, it off her right. hand. <laughs> but, uh, but that, but and then and then I think that that was great because there's these totally awkward moments. And then when Pam pulls out the boob shirt, uh, reference it, it is true. I mean, why is she still there? Because she yeah. can't need a printer that bad, right? Exactly. So, adds to the confusion. Of course, no one thinks that any woman would want Michael, so they can't really believe that this is happening. I think that's part of it too. So yeah, Pam's the only one in there holding out hope for him uh, until a point eventually where even she succumbs to the negativity. So Michael sees her to the door. He leaves her out. This is really uh, super awkward. I don't know. It's like he has her pressed up against the wall or something. It's really kind of crazy. But that, you, she hugs him, though. Yeah. She goes out of her way to hug him in a way that I think it continues to give him encouragement about this situation. I thought that hug was really kind of nice. Very well, touching. It was, but then, like I said, that he goes into the hallway, and then he's got her, like, backed up against the blinds. And she seems very uncomfortable. And it actually, uh-huh. it does make a lot of sense. Like you said, having seen the chump, uh, we know actually why that she's maybe acting 
this way, sort of flirty, but really not willing to go that extra step. Uh, and it does mm-hmm. sort of play out then later on uh, in the season. But gets nowhere. Michael gets nothing, and Pam is there to try to pick up the pieces. Hey, Michael, how you doing? I don't know. I don't know. I can't really trust my feelings anymore. You know what, Michael, for what it's worth, I was wrong, too. I thought she was interested in you. She suckered you, too. Mm-hmm. But the cleavage? Yeah, and the shoulder cutout. Yep. <laughs> Michael, you know, it's easy to get fooled. Bob's Warehouse guys flirt with me all the time. It, it's mostly harmless. Usually I don't let it go too far. Michael, I think Bonalus is here. Should I put it in the lost and found for 14 days and then I can take it home? God. She left this here? Okay. Maybe she wants me to return this to her at her work. What? No. 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 Yeah. This could be a signal. It's not a signal. It's just a coincidence. No, it's not even a coincidence. It's just something that happened. Michael? Oh. She doesn't want you to return the barrette. She's not interested in you. You're right. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. <clears throat> Michael! I like that little fake out, you know. He acts like he's going in his office and then yes. books for the door. Uh, he can't, you know, <laughs> love can't be contained. Um, it, Pretty funny. I mean, there's some stuff in there. Did you enjoy that Phyllis speech? No, I didn't. But I did like the Aaron line because it's it's so funny the way she's so. I mean, she must be dirt poor or something. She's well, always rummaging through the lost she and found foster and brother. Sick. Yeah, in that house. So yeah, she uh, and that's that's fine. Like I said, I don't mind that kind of stuff about her character. It's kind of funny the fact that yeah, she's so interested in putting it in there, and in 14 days she's gonna have a little present. For herself to take home. It's kind of sad, but, you know, it's not cruel and it's not crazy and it's not hair room. So uh, that worked for me. The other thing in that section, I cut out a few things, of course, where um, Andy has this big speech about how he got fooled by his, (laughs) you know, urologist. Urologist. (laughs) Fiddling around (laughs) with the stuff down there and easy to get confused. Uh, The one thing, you know, we were just talking about this. I was just praising the fact that we hadn't had any really stupid humor and kind of goofy saying words wrong. And one thing that kind of annoyed me here is that Michael says the word barrette like four times, and then mm-hmm. Pam says the word barrette, and then he goes out into the parking lot and uh, to look for, or, you know, to get in his car and go find Donna, and she's still sitting in their car in the parking lot. And then they just have to throw out this gratuitous, lame joke where he says, oh, I have your baguette. Um, yes. I mean, he said it five times the right way, and then somehow he just says it wrong. <sighs> cheap, cheap and easy joke. I, I'm not a fan of those. No, no. And they are definitely doing too much of it. It's definitely something that they, brought, what, probably around season three and a half, they thought this would be a new way to develop the character or something. Yeah, I, I mean, know. it's funny when it's appropriate, but that just seems so gratuitous, especially, yeah. says, uh, especially since, like I said, I mean, he said it two or three times before he went down. He says it right. wrong, and then he comes back upstairs, and then he says it right yes. uh, again. So it's uh, whatever. I don't want to belabor the point too much. So there's the thing. He goes down there to the parking lot. Uh, she's there. He has this kind of little speech, and like, oh, everyone said, you know, that you didn't like me, and I didn't listen. I should have listened. And she says, no, you were right. And they start making out in the parking lot. O-M-G. 
Kevin. It is crazy <laughs> all up in here. And so Michael uh, comes back upstairs, and he just can't wait to tell everyone of his fantastic success with Miss Boob Shirt. What happened? Kelly got into the minority training program. Really? Oh, that's great. That's such good news. I did it. I kissed. We kissed. Ooh. Oh, my God. No, I'm serious. This, this happened. I went down to the parking lot, and I, was, I returned her barrette. We did. Okay, we did. We did. You know what? It doesn't matter because I know what happened, and that is all that counts. I did do it. <laughs> so it's pretty pretty funny, you know. Of course, that nobody believes him, and it just drives him crazy that uh, that they don't. And it 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 doesn't. Well, I was gonna say that you you think why would somebody lie? Like why would you not believe it? But then of course we are dealing with Michael, so yes. <laughs> yes, of anybody on the show who could have perhaps lied because they didn't want to suffer. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that he had the Brit still in his hand, I think, <laughs> played into the disbelievability for the other characters. So, that, again, I really like the way this was all put together. So there that goes, leads Michael off into his romantic bliss in the next few episodes, and we will get to those next week uh hopefully right. uh so let's go into the the dwight and kelly plotline we've already talked quite a bit about this uh love that whole thing the print in all colors <laughs> initiative we got that introduced earlier in the season when uh, saber first came into the scene and here it comes roaring back for uh you know more plotline fun Sounds all right. What is this? Oh, this is uh, Print in All Colors, Saber's Minority Executive Training Program. It doesn't just sound I. It sounds amazing. I didn't say I. How do I apply? Uh, you have to be a minority. Uh, glasses wearers. The list goes on and on. You want me yeah, to keep going? Don't really count. We're thinking more ethnic and racial minorities. Ten seconds ago, this guy was driving a forklift. Okay. Now all of a sudden, he's Cinderella out of the office. What are you guys thinking? I like the sound of this. Maybe one day I'll be sitting in Michael's chair. Wouldn't that be something? One minority from this branch is going to get into this program. Who would I prefer? Hmm. The competent, hardworking one who does things his own way? Or the malleable simpleton who can be bought for a few fashion magazines? And I find it amusing that somehow Dwight thinks Daryl is competent and hardworking. Where did that come from? Well, I mean, compared to the other people, if you're going to put all the people in the office on a competent to simpleton scale, Daryl's going to definitely be on that hardworking side. He's pretty sharp. He knows what he's talking about. Really? Every time they go down there, he's like eating chicken wings or he's got his secret bed place he, to sleep. I mean, but he's the he's the boss of those guys. He's got them working. He's they're coming to him asking for advice about this that or the other thing and we we'll see later. I you know, he's the man. Well, I've never seen nothing, nothing Dwight, wrong with that. I've never seen or heard Dwight give Daryl any respect uh over the course <laughs> of the series. But uh the, the one thing though that, that that line was pretty funny though. Ten seconds ago, this guy's yeah. driving a forklift, and now he's in Cinderella office. I, I think I can. I, I think that there is a certain resonance uh, in the in the uh, in that line for some of us. But yeah. in any case, uh, I, I really, like I said, I really did like this. And uh, you know, to get back to your earlier point, why would Kelly be interested? 
maybe Dwight talked to her about all the money she could make and all the, you know, I mean, they talk later about the uh, budget for new wardrobe and things like that. So maybe this is why she's now having an interest in applying herself, so to speak. Well, sure. I mean, I guess I, I get I get the fact that Dwight could talk her into it. Um, I just, I, I didn't buy the fact that she somehow then kind of took over and was sort of the mastermind or something behind the plot. But uh, we'll get to that, I guess, in a second. Dwight goes back there. Of course, he then tries to sell it to her. Um, all this kind of talk about, you know, white people and this and that. And, you know, you find cops pull you over. It's kind of a funny line. You find yeah. cops pull you over because of your race. Like, oh, I, they, they always said it was for texting, but now maybe it was for my race. Uh, so, you know, he, he kind of gets this stuff going in there. She doesn't know any CEOs of any race. Yeah, I don't know any CEOs of any race. And uh, and doesn't know anything, wants to become the, the Indian Julia Roberts in her mind somehow that she's going to be a, a big famous celebrity because of this. And uh, it seems pretty good. Dwight's got her on the hook. He can manipulate her, get her into that place, uh, you know, make sure Daryl doesn't take over and give mm-hmm. him any business. Uh, unfortunately... Though someone else kind of steps in to uh, take over. What are you guys doing? This girl was really rude to me at the mall. Mm-hmm. So I created a fake IM account from a hot guy at her high school, and now I'm trying to make her anorexic. Tell her everyone in the homeroom thinks she's fat. Oh, that is so good. You know, we really should keep practicing for this interview. Oh, it's okay. Ryan coached me. Ryan? What does he know? It's easy. You just turn every question around on them. Do you think you're treated differently because of your race? Would you ask that same question if I was white? We're so in. We? When I become executive, I'm going to make Ryan manager. And then the two of us are cleaning house. Kelly will be even worse than Daryl. If you'd have told me this morning that today I'd be creating a monster capable of my own destruction, I'd have thought you were referring to the bull Mose and I are trying to reanimate. Oh, Mose. (laughs) And his crazy experiments against the laws of God and nature. Uh, This is a pretty funny line. I guess it's good to see... Uh, Dwight acting sort of in character and not having it be too over-the-top ridiculous. Indeed, and the fact that his his diabolical plan is going awry is always good for a little humor as well. So, I, again, this is, this is the Ryan I like to see from time to time, confident about his abilities, but still douchey. Well, it could have been a little more, again, it could have been a little more interesting to me if Ryan knew what Dwight was doing. And he was kind of sticking it to him more. Oh, uh, I thought that that was completely implied. Well, he just he didn't have that kind of arch to it. He didn't didn't really have that, you know. Huh? Yeah, I'm the one in control now. I mean, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think they could have maybe done a little bit more with that, especially with uh, sort of the way things had gone. I guess with the whole diabolical plan fizzling out before. Uh, I don't know. It could have been maybe a little more meat, a little more depth to that plot line. But uh, be that as it may, well, Dwight will not let this stand. He is not going to let Kelly take over. So what to do? Well, talk to the other minorities in the office and get them to apply. How would one of you feel if I told you I could put you on a fast track to an executive position at this company? Holy cow, I'd be so happy. (laughs) I wasn't talking to you, pale face. I know. I mean, I'd be happy for them. What I'm offering is a ticket on a bullet train 
straight to middle management. Dwight, I know these programs. Every color is important because together we make a rainbow. Yes. I'll slap you in the face with a rainbow. Mm. Speaking of rainbows, Oscar, you are kind of a double minority. Okay. So we at Sabre could really benefit from your perspective. Dwight, we know Kelly applied. We're not going to cross her, no matter how good the program is. I can protect you from Kelly. Will you get out of here? Seriously. <laughs> I love that line with Aaron again. This is the way I like Aaron to be. <laughs> oh, no, I'm happy for them. That was very funny. Um, she had a kind of, when Stanley said what he said, she had kind of like a, oh, snap. Right, yeah. <laughs> thing that she made. Um, I just didn't like that. I don't buy this. Oscar seems like a natural candidate for someone that would love to be in this kind of a program. And the whole I'm afraid of Kelly thing, just kind of a cheesy plot device to kind of get these guys out of contention. I like Daniel Stanley's motivation. Uh, I buy. I totally buy. You know, I've seen this all before. It doesn't, you know, it's stupid. That perfectly makes sense. Uh, But the fear of Kelly, not so much. Well, except that this is it can, this is consistent with the way Oscar has been portrayed in the past, where sometimes he snatches defeat from the jaws of victory <laughs> by choking at the shareholder yeah. meeting and whatnot. So, speaking of shareholder meeting, so you know maybe this guy's got it out for him. I don't know. I thought that was believable. <laughs> I like the I like the you know speaking of Rambo's, it was pretty good line <laughs> as well. Yeah, he's sort of a double minority. Uh, yeah, and Stanley, of course, like I said, is uh, I'll slap you in the face with the rainbow. Good. Good stuff. Well, they're not biting. All that does is leave Dwight. <laughs> As we already talked about, he rushes in uh, at the last minute, the 11th hour, to save the day with our, our old buddy Hide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that line. I don't have the clip, but he's, you know, he brings him in there and says, okay, I'll translate for you. I don't need to translate. Ah, oh, you don't know what you need, buddy, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's Dwight in full-on Dwight arrogant mode, and this episode is just <laughs> outstanding. Ah, man. So, uh, unfortunately for Dwight, it does not work out the way he wants. Kelly is announced queen, and that's just bad news for the D-man. Everyone, it is my pleasure to announce our newest member of the Sabre Minority Executive Training Program, Kelly Rajanaganda Kapoor. They're going to be pretty pleased in Tallahassee that I snagged an Indian for the program. She'll be the first. The program's mostly black. It's almost too black. That didn't sound right. And the best part is, is that I get a business stipend to buy all new clothes. Awesome. You can totally buy any of my old clothes. I'm not going to need any Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I love that denim jumpsuit you have. How oh. much? <laughs> Actually, I was thinking about clothes that I was just going to give to Goodwill anyway. Great. Hey, kiddo. Congratulations are in order. You deserve it. Thank you, Dwight. Oh. I'll never forget everything that you've done for me. Gosh. <laughs> because I never forget anything. Just once, I would like to be a puppet master and have nothing go wrong. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Poor Dwight. He is stymied. Uh, you know, as we said before, there's Kelly in there just being a massive bitch to, to Aaron again. <laughs> well, she, she turns on the Indian uh, cultural thing, the you know the dot and everything else. And yep. Gabe asks her about the dot. Can I can I ask you 
what that means and you know would you consider offensive if I asked you and he's yes he, of course she turns it on him yes I would consider offensive yeah she she's wearing this, she's in this wearing the sari and talks about her hobbies what do you like to do oh, like snake charming and laying on nail beds or whatever all that kind of stuff yeah she lives laying on th- laying it on pretty thick so where this plot line is going to go I have no idea of course it's already been two episodes that have aired since this with nothing mentioned that might be uh, one of the season finale things if maybe Kaylee wants to leave the show maybe we'll see that happen has there been talk about that I don't know they keep talking about the fact like I said that she has all these development deals and all these other kind of things so I don't know really if if that's going to happen or not but didn't I mean didn't she get some big deal maybe she'll take over for Michael no he leaves horrible horrible (laughs) That would that, that would be the worst thing I could ever imagine. All right. Well, let's go. <laughs> no, I, I I really like like you said, man. I really like that scene in there with Gabe. I thought that was great. His just uncomfortableness, his total white guy, uh, not really sure how to handle things. You know, oh, it didn't sound quite right. It's just his body, you know, no pun intended, but his body language and everything there. I uh-huh. thought. Great stuff. So uh, I'm going to be sad to see that guy go. I don't know what's going to happen uh, at the end of the season. Uh, maybe the season finale, I mean, there's going to be some kind of, like, we talked about this before, that maybe they're going to buy out. Dunder Mifflin is going to come back, or Saber is going to go bankrupt now because they're having this big lawsuit or something of the, or, or she's going to close the branch because the leak supposedly came from there or some, some such nonsense. I, I don't know. No, me either. Well, I guess we'll see uh, in one calendar week, but about four calendar weeks for the podcast, I guess. All right, well, four deleted scenes this week. Uh, some pretty good stuff. Let's go ahead and play that, and we can come back at the end and uh, see if we have anything to discuss. So if you do a lot of faxing or want to print double-sided menus, I can guarantee you a dependable machine and appropriate support. I'm, I'm not sure we want to invest that much. I mean, our printers usually get stolen by busboys after a couple months. Aha, I solved it. It was the busboys. Oh, my God. I thought you were from England just then. Do that again. I'm English Mike. Oh. Yeah, baby, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Donna and I are very similar. We are tough from the streets. Never took a handout. Always had to pull ourselves up from the boob straps. I I constantly see myself in her. She's way out of his league. It'd be like me going for Sean Hannity. She just laughed. I think that's a good sign. Maybe he just told a funny joke. I think it's a good sign. He's been in there for 20 minutes. He hasn't even gotten a third base. There's a third base? Baseball. Really? I always thought it was based on orchestra chairs. And you're, now you're telling me there's a third bass in the orchestra. No, that's a bass-heavy orchestra. So, Hi. Kelly Kapoor <laughs> is applying to the minority training yeah, program. Yeah. Yep. Strong choice. She is as smart as she is talented. Yeah, I never really thought of Kelly as executive material. No, nor should you. I mean, she's Indian. <laughs> but you can't name a single Indian CEO. <laughs> I love this scene. Vikram Padit. Mm. Surya Mahapatra. Dinesh Palawal, Andrew Nui. Yeah, it's so interesting that you couldn't name a single Indian woman. Andrew Nui is a woman. She's the head of Pepsi. Soft drink ain't paper, Gabe. Now, name one significant paper company CEO that's Indian. Just one, and I'm out of your hair. Nisha Das. Name two. 
Just two of them. There she is. Why don't let me just go in and look at her? I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I can control myself. You can't, actually. I can. I need to find out, or else I'll never know. You don't need to know. Okay. Michael? Yes? You know what? In my business, we give people free onion rings when we're doing business with our friends. I mean, can't we make this work? I would give you so many free onion rings. <laughs> yep. Nope. Uh, nope. Uh, nope. Uh, nope. I don't know. I just don't see what the big deal is. So I try to kiss somebody. So we're in a business setting. So what? So what? Is that so inappropriate? Yes, maybe. It wouldn't have been 50 years ago. Mad Men. Uh, how do I find out if a girl's interested? Great question. I usually just assume that they're not. It's easier than it used to be. If a lady is interested, she'll send me a wink. And then I'll send back an e-flirt. And if it doesn't work out, I block her. Oh, no. That's okay. No, no. Hey, right guy, congratulations. Thank you. For what this time? Your girlfriend's going to be an Ivy Leaguer. Yes. You know, I kind of wish it was Harvard, though, because then it would be exactly like Legally Blonde. What's Yale's mascot, anyway? A bulldog named Handsome Dan. A bulldog? Oh, there is no way in hell I'm wearing a sweatshirt with an ugly old bulldog on Oh, that's okay. People don't actually wear the clothes from their school. Uh, hello. I guess again. La-da-da! <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Boom. Okay. And wait for it. <laughs> Boom. Whoa. Ah. Uh, I gave myself a front wedgie. Okay. Will you make sure to come and visit me? I can't make it. What do you mean you can't make it? I haven't told you the dates. I'm sorry, what are the dates? No, you just said you couldn't make it and I didn't even I tell you what the it. dates are. Ah, it's grown still tender. I'm sorry. Andy, we're trying to have a private Andy, conversation. Andy, can we please? Sorry. Sorry. I'm not a liar. Yes, you no, are. No, I'm not. It's, I don't always know the truth until I'm in it. Are you sure? No. Uh, Ryan and Kelly stuff, I'm just really tired of that, I think. I, I love that Gabe and Dwight, though. I, I love that scene. I thought that was great. Yeah, there was some good stuff there. I think I can't really argue that any of that had to be back in the episode. We got the gist of some of the Michael and Donna stuff that was in there pretty well, I think. And, yeah, good amusing material for the deleted scenes, but nothing essential, I don't think. And, and some of it was kind of cringeworthy, so, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go the ahead and Andy stuff especially. Yeah. Uh, but no, I like that. Actually, my, I like that line. I just assume. That's how I roll, man. I just assume they're not <laughs> interested. So, I, uh -huh. I don't know. That was a good line. But yeah, the other stuff with his front wedgie, looking at his underwear, whatever the old uh, case may be. Eh, good to leave on the cutting room floor. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, Hammond, this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Oh, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, didn't uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. Ooh. All right, well, before we get into the news, we got a few things to talk about here, Kevin. Uh, as far as how we can support the show, how to keep That's What She Said alive, how to keep us in our stipend here of new fancy clothes that we like to wear all the time, <laughs> you can help support the podcast in a couple of ways. And one of the ways is 
to sign up for a free two-week trial at audible.com. Now, we've had Audible as a sponsor for a pretty long time now. Um, however, the, the, the way that the promotion works now is a little bit different. In the past, we basically, you know, we are getting a little certain dollar amount for every thousand people downloading the show. Uh, it didn't have anything to do with how many people signed up, so it was all about the download numbers. Well, the, the new terms of this agreement is like our Netflix agreement, where basically it doesn't matter how many people download the show, uh, we get a flat fee for people that sign up. So I'm going to ask, you know, if you have not ever signed up for this before, uh, if you haven't tried it out, if you haven't done it through one of the other, like, 50 podcasts that talk about <laughs> signing up for the free Audible trial, I'm going to ask you to please consider it, and not just in a greedy way, but because I think that this is a very valuable service. I mean, I'm someone that listens to a lot of podcasts. I'm always looking for something good to listen to, and despite getting mocked and called out by Leo Laporte in last week's episode uh, for talking about Audible, I highly recommend checking this out. It's the Internet's largest provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for downloading uh, on your computer, but obviously you're going to keep it mobile. So iPod, iPhone, MP3 player, BlackBerry phone, they have apps for just about every kind of major phone out there. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said and get a free audiobook download when you sign up today. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. They have 75,000 titles to choose from. And what genre as well? Every genre. Audible has you covered. You like classics. You like business. You like erotica, sexuality. Kevin, I know you do. Fiction, history, romance, <laughs> mystery, thrillers, sci-fi, and fantasy. Self-development, kids, young adult categories. All of these can be found at audible.com. So get that free two-week trial when you sign up today. Um, pick of the week. Our joke pick of the week, sort of. <laughs> yes, this, if you love the episode that we just talked about, you'll love this audio uh, presentation, The Truth About Mentoring Minorities, Race Matters, by David A. Thomas. It's a audio version of a Harvard Business Review article about mentoring minorities. So, so there you go. If mate. you want to explore this topic in further, more serious ways, Audible can be your friend. Good choice. However, if you're looking for a little lighter entertainment, Kevin and I have each a pick for you this week. My pick, Kevin, I don't know about you, I have been really enjoying a new show on FX these last few months called Justified. Have you ever heard of that or watched that before? Nope. Well, it is a sort of crime police sort of drama uh, based on Elmore Leonard's character named Raylan Givens, who appeared in two novels and a short story of his, a sort of laid-back, lawman kind of guy. Uh, it's, being Elmore Leonard, I don't know if you've seen Get Shorty, you've seen some of his other stuff, mm -hmm. you know that he has uh, kind of the crime stuff where you get the good guys and the bad guys, and everybody's kind of, you know, shades of gray and all kinds of interesting stuff going on in there. So uh, that uh, the show then, Justified, has been on for, you know, the last few months. Really, really good. Highly recommend it. Uh, if you're a fan of the show like me, and uh, you'd like to take a look at, uh, you know, where it all kind of began here, you can check out When the Woman, When the Women Came Out to Dance by 
Elmore Leonard. Uh, it contains three short stories uh, in there, uh, unabridged. One of the short stories is the first appearance here, uh, or the... <clears throat> One of the stories is the story that was the basis for the Justified show called Fire in the Hole. introduces Raylan Givens, uh, the Crowders, and all that kind of stuff that you might have seen on the show already. There's also a short story in there, Kevin, following the continued adventures of uh, the Jennifer Lopez character from Out of Sight. Mm. So there's another, you know, that, you know I, I think they tried to make a TV show out of that character a little while yeah, ago. But, uh, came and went, yeah. but there you go. If you like that, so there's another thing in there, and that is narrated by Tay Diggs. So check that out if you're looking for something interesting. And Kevin, your pick? Yeah, my serious pick is the book Game Change, Obama and the Clintons, McCain and Palin, and the Race of a Lifetime. If you're, you know, political net like I am, this was a pretty good book by John Heilman and Mark Halperin, and narrated by Dennis Boot. Icarus. And so you can get that on Audible as well. So remember, get a free audiobook download and support. That's what she said when you sign up today by going to audiblepodcast.com slash she said. That's right. And our other sponsor, of course, is our Netflix account. Uh, sign up today again for another two-week trial if you haven't done so already. And same thing with Audible, man. If you sign up and you want to quit instantly, be our guest. One day, you're going to sign up for 20 hours, one hour, doesn't matter. We get the credit, you help us out. Uh, but I think you'll like the service. Kevin and I both enjoy the Netflix service. That, uh, you know, plan starting from $4.99 a month, uh, you're probably going to want to go the, the $8.95 a month plan. I think uh, that's probably more reasonable. You get a choice of 100,000 different DVD disc titles that you can choose from. Um, keep it as late as you want, no late fees, free shipping free delivery, uh, cancel at any time. Of course, my main thing that I use Netflix for is for the instant watch feature. It keeps getting better and better uh, as the days go by. Aside from, like I said, I've been watching a lot of King of the Hill stuff. Um, we could watch <laughs> Charles Minor's big movie, Obsessed, uh, on instant Finally. watch. I know. Who, who hasn't waited, been waiting for that? Uh, <laughs> and... Many other things. I mean, a lot of stuff, a lot of TV shows on there, a lot of British shows. Um, I don't know if you watched uh, Parks and Rec this week, Kevin, but the, 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 the guy that played that Benji, the, the junior mayor, whatever character on the show, uh -huh. he, uh, I believe he's in this other show called Party Down. Oh, Have right, yeah. That before? And that's yeah, no, a very, about that. very yeah. office-similar uh, show about a group of caterers. Uh, that also is available for Instant Watch. Uh, a lot of good stuff on there. So if you're interested in that, if you want to help out the show, head to netflix.com slash TWSS. And uh, we actually have a pick for the Instant Watch this week. What's your pick, Matt? Uh, well, we're going to talk about this in a second, but it is the film version of Outsourced from 2006. And uh, why are we talking about Outsourced, Kevin? NBC announced its Thursday night schedule for next season. The Office will keep its 9 p.m. time slot. Following The Office will be another workplace comedy called, hmm, Outsourced. <laughs> 30 Rock will move to 8.30, and Parks and Recreation will be held back for placement at mid-season. I know that's uh, not good news to you. Well, what, what is this Outsourced thing? It's a comedy where Midwest meets the exotic East in a hilarious culture clash. The series centers in, on an all-American company, Mid-America novelties that sells whoopee cushions, foam figures, and wallets made of bacon, 
whose call center has suddenly been outsourced to India. Tom Dempsey, played by Ben Rappaport, is the company's new manager who learns that he's being transferred to India to run the operation. Overwhelmed, Todd discovers that his new staff needs a crash course in all things American if they are to understand the U.S. product line and ramp up sales from halfway around the world. But as strange as America seems to his eclectic sales team, Todd soon realizes that figuring out India will be more than a full-time job. Ken Quapis, who's from the office, developed the project through his company and serves as executive producer and director. Well, I gotta say, we're gonna come back to that in a second, but I gotta say, I am really pissed off about Parks and Rec being put on as a mid-season replacement. Now, you kind of told me that Amy Poehler is pregnant, so maybe that has something to do with it. And if that's the case, I can maybe forgive it a little bit. But I thought they had an awesome season this year, and I am really disappointed. I can't imagine that this show will be anywhere near as good, but you never know. Um, I just I'm having a really hard time trying to figure out how you're going to have a workplace comedy set in India, which from the sound of it, basically you're going to have one white guy, and I'm assuming the most of the other cast is going to be Indian uh, Indian American uh, related. Yep. So I'm guessing, hey, if you are in Hollywood and if you are an Indian American actor, uh, this might be your lucky break. I don't know. So get is, in there. Is, is the TV show based on the movie then? Uh, it seems pretty obviously that it is. Uh, I looked All at right. the I looked at the description on Netflix, and it's pretty much exactly the same plot line. So, uh, if you want to see maybe where that show is coming from and what it might be like, go and check out our pick there on Netflix. Well, other really the only other big news story we've been talking about this for a while is this idea of is Steve Carell going to leave the office after season seven. Well, Carell apparently told Access Hollywood, quote, next year is my last season on my contract. It's not a negotiating tactic at all. I just want to spend more time with my kids right now, which is what it's all about. So that seems, you know, pretty cut and dry. Of course, you never, you know, who's going to admit that it's a negotiating tactic if it is a negotiating tactic? I suppose. But, But yeah, I mean, it seems pretty sincere. We know that he's into, you know, he has like his own house on the... In, in New England, and he has his own little like general store and all this other kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, he, the guy needs a break. Absolutely. Well, at the premiere of her new film, A Solitary Man, co-starring Michael Douglas, Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam, of course, told um, Access Hollywood also, I would hate to see Steve go, but I get it. She added that Steve Carell has been, quote, Incredibly dedicated to our show. He's a wonderful person to work with. I guess we'll all just have to wait and see what happens. Well, I, I think that this is a good indication that the the, the we passed the point of uh, grief and now we're moving on. I think that <laughs> Jenna Fisher knows he's not coming back. Well, yeah, I guess. But you know, being from Wisconsin and being around here, we you know, there's this guy we know called Brett Favre who. Can't ever quite seem to make up his mind about retiring, so who knows? Maybe maybe Steve right. Crow will be back. But um, this, as far as will the show continue, you, know, you just sent this to me uh, right before we aired the show. And uh, during uh-huh. NBC's pre-upfront conference call this week, uh, NBC Brass were asked to comment about Carell and uh, his remarks. And uh, what they said is that uh, we hope we can keep him around for a long time, but uh, one of the other people there, Jeff Gaspin, said the office is a great ensemble show, and the producers are preparing in the event 
he chooses to move on. Yeah, but there's a negotiating tactic right there. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> They're laying it down as well. We don't need you. I just, really, guys, I mean, I know. I know that they don't have a lot of stuff, and this is maybe a successful show for them, but, you know, Seven Seasons is a good, good run for any show. And, and trying to continue, I just uh, very vociferously have to object to Steve Carell not being on the show. Let it go, guys. Go out at the top. Well, go out with a little dignity, anyway. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But if you, want, you can't get enough of our brilliant insights, you can follow Matt and me on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash summermatt and twitter.com slash Kevin Crossman. These are the personal accounts. And if you want the dedicated That's What She Said feed, you can go to twitter.com slash podcast. All right. And the next episode to actually air, of course, is the season finale. We still have two more episodes in between there. But the season finale, Whistleblower, is going to air this upcoming Thursday, May 20th. 2010, the press learns that saber printers catch on fire, and Joe, suspecting that someone within the company leaked the information, sets out to discover who the whistleblower is. So, obviously, there that's one of the plot lines as far as what any of the other plot lines might be or how they're going to wrap any of this other stuff up. It is anyone's guess, but, uh, you know, 22 minutes. Not a lot of time to wrap up much of anything. Who do you think is going to be the whistleblower? Uh, well, I mean, Andy was making the video, right, in the the other episode, so I have no idea. Maybe it'll be Gabe, actually. That would be a, maybe an interesting twist if they don't turn him into the Scranton Strangler. I'm going to predict Toby. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, let's see. $5 on the table. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, a little bit of feedback on our last episode of That's What She Said, number 93. Secretary's Day, our friend Brandon said in regard to my comments about Leo Laporte mocking me on air, send Leo Laporte your impression of Michael J. Fox and maybe he'll apologize for mocking you on his show, you know, play the pity card. That is a pretty That is a pretty good Michael J. Fox uh, impression, I have to say. Oh, I don't think Brandon agrees. <laughs> well, and any fan of Back to the Future would have liked a picture I posted on Twitter this week, but that's where I'll leave it. Uh, we got a great email from Haley, chimed in on a number of things. I'm dreadfully late on this, but after listening to the podcast of Happy Hour, I just wanted to say that I think the fact that Stanley is at risk for a heart attack makes his doing push-ups to leave work all the more funny. Without that backstory, sure, it's funny that he's so eager to do whatever it takes to leave, but with that backstory, man, this guy's willing to risk death to leave work early. <laughs> In regards to the issue of Gabe being the Scranton Strangler, it certainly does seem to be that the episodes are foreshadowing this even down to his name. Will the angelic Gabriel turn out to be the angel of death? Oh, man. Oh, God, I hope not. Now that we you've brought it up, I've got a gut feeling you've called it expletive. So, <laughs> because we said it, it must come true. That's yep, come, that's right. It's happened before. And finally... 
And a small comment about the episode Secretary's Day. I maintain the opinion that we are slowly watching Jim turn into Michael. The pranks, once so lighthearted and full of whimsy, and a dash of razzle-dazzle, are now mean and unfunny. I felt terrible watching them mock Kevin. It was cruel. If the show ends with Jim as the new Michael, it'd be a fine way to close the show. It'd be cyclical and it'd ever so dark and bleak. It, I'd actually be happy with that, because as a viewer, I'd seen it as... I don't know, Shakespearean or something. I'd feel better I'd feel better about Jim acting that way because I know that it was all part of the bleak, dark ending. Otherwise, Jim is just an ass and the show just dismisses it. Yeah, well that uh, it's interesting to see. I mean that could obviously be one of the outcomes, although we've already sort of seen the whole Jim as manager plot line. But uh, I can't believe you know, I know that these other guys are under contract, but I mean <laughs> I, don't they want to leave? I mean, do, doesn't John Krasinski is getting in a bunch, trying to be in a lot of films? Jennifer, you know, they they don't have that much time left here before you know they're they're getting Hollywood old. They got to get their stuff going. But they that they signed for eight se- eight seasons. So yeah, I know they have many millions of reasons to stick with the show. Uh, I suppose you're right. Well, let's talk about uh, my old friend Tyrone here who uh, I think we've heard of, heard from him before, uh, says, I took a break from the podcast because I felt it was way too much Jim and Pam bashing. I came back the last couple of episodes and have felt there has been a good balance. Now I'm wondering if the former Jim Basher is a fan of the show as a whole or just a Michael Scott fan. If you're only a fan of Michael Scott, does that affect your ability to judge the entire show? I sort of agree with your take on Kevin, but people do get made fun of in the office sometimes. This is supposed to be an office, not Sesame Street. Was he trying to be funny in the fact that they reference Cookie Monster so much? No, he's being... He's <laughs> That's... Tyrone has come back with some wisdom on this one because he's, he's, he's hit the nail on the head. Matt, are you a fan of Michael Scott or are you a fan of the entire show? Well... Can you judge the show without Michael? I, I don't know. And... I, and I will have to say, he's absolutely right. The Office is not the happy barrio that is Sesame Street. Well, I, I agree. I, obviously, I'm a Michael fan, and I used to be a very big Jim and Pam fan. Uh, <laughs> I've talked about this many times. I mean, I don't really want to go into this much anymore, but just, you know, ever since they really hooked up, it's been a little bit, uh, I don't know. I just feel like they don't really know what to do with the characters, and that last week, I mean, he even says he agrees with me that it was kind of rough. So, yeah, you know, yeah. they were jerks. What can I say? All right. Well, Joanne wrote, Aaron and Andy had only been on one or two dates before this episode. Should he really have told her about the engagement? I mean, it would have been cool if he had, but I don't know that I felt like he was so wrong to have not had at this point. I know that Angela works there and all, but I don't expect someone to spill all of their dating history to me in the first couple of dates. It's sort of down the road thing, isn't it? Well, yeah. sure, if you don't know the person, haven't interacted with the person for a year in right. the office that you both work at. And you think it would just it would kind of come up in casual conversation, <laughs> perhaps. Um, hey, you're new here. Boy, those two used to be married, and boy, there was this big love triangle and all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. That'd be pretty juicy lunchtime conversation. So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that makes that whole situation, especially from Aaron's perspective, so crazy um, perverted, you know, is the fact that it was a triangle. <laughs> you know, with Angela. Yeah, exactly. So everyone that uh, <laughs> it's like, what is that? Everyone you sleep with, they sleep with them, that kind of thing. So there you go. Yes. Inadvertently, she's going to be sleeping with Dwight. 
Uh, all right, a little feedback on body language. Muck Mallard said, I'd say the only thing laugh-worthy about this episode was the cold open and the well, the joke's on you, talking head. Otherwise, an absolutely awful episode in terms of both lack of laughs and storyline. I think Mafia has been usurped. I don't get that. I thought this was a great episode. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it, it wasn't that... didn't really stand out for me too much on first viewing. Maybe maybe Muck Mallard needs to go back and watch it a few more times. Well, and if anything, you know, we talked off, off air before the show started about these cold opens that seem to be getting a little bit more momentum this season. I thought it was a fine cold open, but it didn't blow me out of the water with the whole Michael, you know, speaking Spanish and this trip to uh, whatever Mexico that... Cancun has never been ref has never been referenced before or after, <laughs> but anyway, whatever. Exactly. All right, Rich Ward wrote the only thing scarier than Dwight running the office would be Kelly in charge. Let's pray that day never comes. I'd rather be smacked in the face with a rainbow. But with Michael though, he has trouble reading email correctly, so expecting him to understand Donna's body language was expected. But when the entire office struggled to identify her motives, I actually thought it made for some good laughs. On the whole, though, I thought it was much better than Aaron's Kenneth-esque kindergarten-style Secretary Day freakout. Yikes. All right, well, <laughs> I don't think that we disagree with, with that at all. But let's get into the last email here, our listener feedback of the week. Uh, from Matt, who says, Just want to say thanks for the podcast. I enjoy all of them. I'm over here in Iraq, and I'm lucky enough to have decent enough Internet access so I can download the shows slowly and your podcast good entertainment is pretty scarce here and your podcast certainly helps contribute to my office fandom it's especially good for the gym it helps drown out that god-awful country music that's often played anyway keep up the great work it makes being an office fan better so there you go kevin we're supporting our troops awesome never be said that we weren't there for everyone well thanks for listening matt that is going to do it for us this week. Join us in a week or so for episode 95 where we talk about the cover-up. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to TWSSpodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes. Uh, spread the word in any office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Remember, stop on by the chat room this week on Thursday during the episode airing to talk with me and Kevin and other That's What She Said listeners as the show airs. Here are opinions as they are formed. You'll be in the know over everyone else. Stop on by. Uh, music <laughs> for the episode was provided by Music Alley from Mavio. Check it out at musicalley.com. And remember, head on over to nbc.com slash office during the week. For additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. In fact, they got a few other things they've added up there, Kevin. They added up the birth contract. Did you uh, did you look at yes, that yet? All right. I haven't. Put that up there. Uh, a few other things. So head on over and check that out. Now for Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we are out of here.
I actually love that line. Hold on a second. Scranton Strangler showing up. <laughs> He's in the house. He's in the house. <clears throat> 